I am a list maker. Even though much of my weekly routine has a lot of the same things, making a list helps me not to forget and work also allows me to work out of order and also incorporate the unexpected. And I like having a list at the end of the week with everything checked off. I've gotten my oldest daughter to start using lists. I don't think she's overwhelmed with work, but there are times when she has several small things to complete. As a father, I don't want to hear, Daddy, I did everything you told me to do, just to find out that she didn't brush her teeth or empty the garbage. Jesus gives his disciples a list in Matthew 28:18 through 20. But I don't want to look at it as merely boxes to check off. More important than completing any list is knowing the purpose of the list. When we went through the maximizing impact consultation at our church, the consultants left us with a list of tasks to complete, a lot of them having to do with our facility. We knocked out most of that list and have a better building as a result, but not necessarily a better church. I spoke with our district superintendent about this, and I said, we found ourselves working on a list and not reaching a vision. And instead of growing a multi-ethnic and multi-generational congregation where everyone gains the strength to live and grow, we primarily worked on building repair. A facility is a tool, a checkbox on the list to reach the goal of making strong disciples of Jesus Christ. So as we look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I want to focus on the goal, making disciples, not the checklist of go, baptize, and teach. Let's read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Disciples make disciples. The first thing I want us to see about the goal is disciples are made from all people. Jesus claims all authority in heaven and earth. This is authority that only God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth, can have. At creation, God gave humans dominion over the earth, keeping the heavens for himself, and humans didn't even do a good job of managing the earth as God's representatives. John 1.3 and Colossians 1.16 affirm Jesus' role in creation. Jesus as divine creator and perfect human imager of God and also redeemer of all creation has the authority to recreate God's family on the earth. God's original design was for all the people of the earth to be his family. But due to human disobedience, God took an inheritance for himself, one man, Abraham. From Abraham, God would rebuild his people. But God's goal was that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God's goal is not the perpetual disinheritance of all nations, but the inclusion of all nations. We have to also understand what Jesus and the Bible overall considers a nation. To us modern people, a nation is a political entity that holds a particular geography. Those things are included in the biblical idea of nations, but that's not all. The word we translate nations is ethnos, from which we get our word ethnicity. 
for most ancient people, and in much of the world today, there wasn't and isn't usually a distinction between a political nation and an ethnic nation. This is why King Nebuchadnezzar tried to remake Daniel and his friends as Babylonians. This is why today we hear of some civil wars and persecutions of ethnic minorities in various countries. People still believe that their political nation should be made up of members of one ethnic and cultural nation. The Roman Empire was somewhat original in that people from the nations they took over could become Roman citizens. The Apostle Paul was 100% a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. Rome had its own culture, but there was diversity in its nation. I don't think it was an accident that Jesus came to earth during the Roman Empire. The church is not modeled after Rome, but Jesus' disciples being in that nation, that might allow them to see the possibility that all different nations, languages, ethnicities, and cultures can be one, one family. When Peter goes out to preach at Pentecost, and there are people from at least 14 different nations or regions speaking all different languages, Peter can confidently say that Jesus wants them all to be disciples. People are rightly moved by the fact that we have our first female uh, vice president that is both black and Asian ancestry. Like with President Obama, there's a huge difference between being told that anyone can become president and actually seeing someone like yourself in these leadership positions. President Biden's executive branch may turn out to be the most diverse in the history of our country to date. But this is my opinion here. I feel like he is checking off the world standards of diversity boxes, which include more than ethnicity and culture, but also orientation and behavior. The church is not merely about checking off diversity boxes. It's about change and transformation from disobedience and not acceptance of disobedience. Jesus' statement of all means anyone I meet is a potential disciple of Jesus. I need to be prepared to invite them in. Jesus' statement of go means I have to be intentional about meeting people. I don't wait for people to come to me and ask me about Jesus. I go to them. Jesus' statement about nations means I have to be intentional about engaging people different than me. I'm not even pretending like that's easy. It's much easier to stay in my circle of friends who are like me, who like the same things as me, who speak the same language as me. But the goal is a church family that's bigger than my circle of friends. Disciples make disciples of all people. And in that goal, disciples are made into one people. Jesus commands his disciples to baptize. Who we baptize is important. Even though the command and vision is all people, the consistent message in the book of Acts is to believe and be baptized. I'm not going to take the time today to discuss the meanings or merits of infant baptism. That's not our purpose today. What we need to see is the reason why Jesus calls for baptism. Baptism is and was an identifier. When a person is baptized, they are publicly proclaiming their adherence to a particular creed and group. When people were baptized by John the Baptist, they were making a public declaration in agreement with John's preaching that I need to repent of my sins 
and I believe God's Messiah is coming soon. When a person is baptized in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are publicly proclaiming belief in the person and work of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, transformation, and life, along with an intent to live as a disciple of Jesus. The baptized person is now identified with all other disciples of Jesus. Ephesians 4, 4-6 through 6 speaks about the oneness or unity that happens as a result of baptism. Listen to all the times the word one is said. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Baptism is the identifier that shows all nations in Christ become one. One people, one family, and again one with the one true God. Historically, a major mistake of missionaries during colonization was that the purpose of expeditions was to exploit resources and make people copy Eurocentric culture. The real point of missions should be to make people one with Christ, not merely one with me or my country or my culture. This means that in the church, diverse people should experience unity and reconciliation. People with diverse cultures will have one creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That is our truth. In the church, people without a family should find family. 1 Corinthians 12 12 through 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also in Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Which means people with different ideas, experiences, talents, and gifts can work together with one purpose, love God, Love people and make disciples. Being baptized means I'm part of something, something glorious, something world-changing and individual life-changing. Disciples make disciples of all people into one people. And also in that goal, disciples are made into an enduring people. Jesus expected that his disciples would last beyond his own time on earth and beyond his first disciples' lifetimes. Jesus is saying, don't just get all people to believe, and don't just get people to belong. You know, Don't just have them being one. Get people to become disciples. I chose the words believe, belong, and become specifically because that is the membership process of the Wesleyan Church, and it aligns with what Jesus is saying here. It is not necessarily 
instinct for people to know what God wants us to become. Everyone is tainted by our own disobedience and the disobedience we've learned from other people in our culture. So part of making disciples has to be teaching. Not teaching what I think is right, but teaching who God is and what God says is right. I'm not just to teach the facts so that a disciple can recite them back to me. The result of teaching is to be observable. The new disciple is to see the truth, obey the truth, and be transformed by the truth. Then that transformed disciple is able to go and make more disciples. There's a restaurant I like back in Northern California called Teriyaki Time. If you ever take a trip with me there, I'll take you out to that restaurant. I know the owners. They have a teriyaki sauce that's like no other. I was speaking to the daughter of the family that owns teriyaki time, Jenna, about their sauce. And she said to me, I don't know how to make it. Not yet. Only my mom knows how to make it. Their sauce is a secret family recipe that mothers pass on to their daughters at the right time. So in order for that recipe to endure, the mother can't just keep it to herself or just hand her daughter a recipe card. The daughter has to be taught how to make it herself and how to pass that recipe on. Disciple making is not merely the passing on of facts or ideas. It's the passing on of forgiveness through Jesus the Son. It's the passing on of life change and empowerment through the Holy Spirit. It's the passing on of obedience and relationship with God the Father. If those things stop with me, then I have not been a full disciple. Later this year, I'm going to teach through our discipleship pathway, Living Stones. We haven't done that in several years. And over the last year, I've been making adjustments to it. I think one of the shortcomings that needed adjustment was that we focused very individually. It was about me becoming a better disciple. Well, we can't lose that. I do need to become a better disciple. But we also cannot neglect making more and better disciples if we want to endure as a church. It's easier to just be concerned with myself. D.L. Moody said, it's better to train 10 people to do the work than to do the work of 10 people, but it's harder to train the 10. See, despite the difficulty, the church will endure because Jesus promises to be with his disciples until the end of the age. Disciples are made from all people who become one enduring people. One challenge we have today is that people in our society know less of Jesus and the Bible than ever before. But that can also be an advantage. People are also seeking new things. So the good news of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to offer something that maybe people have never heard before. Let's make disciples from all people and become one enduring people. A disciple is a follower of Jesus a learner, a family member, and a maker of more disciples. Let's pray from Psalm 111. I praise the Lord with all my heart as I stand among his disciples. The Lord's works are great, splendid, majestic, righteous, truthful, just, trustworthy, and established, and all who study them find delight. He does wondrous works of grace, compassion, and redemption. He keeps his covenant forever. 
God shows his people the power of his works by making them his inheritance from all the nations. May we be your people who follow your instructions so that your people may grow and endure forever. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. I leave you with this blessing. May the weakest among us be like King David. May the God who gives encouragement and endurance give us the spirit of unity as we follow Christ, so that with one heart and one mouth we may together glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.